And we're back. Welcome back to Behind the Net Podcast. This is episode eight. And after our long winter slumber, we mm-hmm. are finally back with a new episode. I'm your host, Michael. And joined beside me, as always, is Matthew. Yep. So, um, I mean, obviously, we had a long, long break. Um, how's your, how, how, how are your holidays? Holidays were good. Uh, spent some time with the family on a cruise. Uh, just relaxed a bit in the other Where, times. Where'd you go, like, uh, on the cruise? Uh, it's Caribbean, like, so, like, Jamaica, Cayman Islands, Mexico. Nice, nice. And everyone got stuck, so that's a little, little story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. What my, about you? My mine was uh, pretty similar, just a lot of time with the uh, family, you know, catch up with some friends. Um, pretty much pretty much the same, just uh, relax, you know, uh, charge back up before, uh, you know, it's full grind mode now. Yep, same um, here. So, uh Last night, the, the, the Maple Leafs faced the uh, New Jersey Devils, and uh, Michael was so kind uh, <laughs> as to invite me to the game. So we both <laughs> went to the game last night, and uh, man, what a game. It was. It was a, it was a great game, entertainment value-wise. Um, good bounce-back win for the Leafs, obviously, first of all. Because of course. they had that terrible game against Florida on Sunday, and uh, they needed a win like that so badly. I know it's against the Devils, but you can never t- to take uh, – any low level teams that think, oh, this is gonna be easy. It's mm-hmm. a hard fought win. They Devils are tricky it. because um actually also on on the winter break, uh I went to I went to New Jersey to watch uh the Leafs in New Jersey against mm-hmm. the Devils. And uh that was a nail biter of a game. Uh we were trailing for most of it and then the Leafs uh tied it up in the third and took it overtime. Yeah. And then um again was it Severson? Uh, yeah I believe so. He uh he kinda batted the puck it was a kneel under shot, and I think on the rebound he batted in. He was trying to obviously shoot it away, but he yeah, yeah. shot it into his own net. Yeah, but I remember that. <laughs> I, I remember was watching that game uh, while I was doing work. It was uh, I was like, "What? How did that go in?" And then seeing the replay, I was like, "Oh, th- that's something I haven't seen." It in was a while. it was funny because I was in the other end of the arena, like um, you know where uh, Hutchinson's net was, um, so I couldn't really see all the way down what was happening. Exactly right. It, mm-hmm. it looked like Nealander just went and took a shot and maybe got it on the rebound. Um, and as soon as as soon as the Leafs scored, like all the Leafs fans were so happy. And of course, but all of a sudden, like the Devils fans, I don't know, they were a lot more upset than usual than just you know like losing. But like they were like they're like frustrated <laughs> almost. <laughs> like it's been. And a- then I I saw the replay. They played the replay on the jumbotron, and yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a tough season for them, so I don't blame them for being upset. Yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say? Severson handled the puck there much better than Marshawn did in the shootout the other day. <laughs> Sorry, I had to put that one I've in there. I've seen so many memes about that. I saw like one. It was like, um, the NHL's announced that they'll increase the <laughs> size of the puck so their players can <laughs> stick handle the puck. <laughs> oh my god, but I can't. <laughs> but the next time that Marshawn goes in the shootout, I hope that uh, when he picks up the puck, everyone's gonna do a loud cheer. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, but uh. I mean, again, back to the Leafs game. It was, yeah. it was it was insane because um, we got to see we got to see two hat tricks in one game. I mean, first yeah. Austin Matthews, his first hat trick um, uh, since his first game. Obviously, his four mm-hmm. goal game. This is I, I, it's crazy that he's taken this long to like you know get another hat trick. Mm-hmm. Um, in his fourth season, it basically took three seasons to get another hat trick. Exactly. And I mean, I don't know. Do you, I don't know if we have the numbers, but. Uh, I feel like he's gotten so many two goal games and and he just hasn't gotten a third goal. Like I feel like he's done that so many times and it's just, it's just been always two goals. 
Exactly, yeah. There's been a few games, especially this year, where he would get that second goal, and I would think to myself, man, he this is the night that's going to happen. I can just feel it. Like, for example, there was that game against the Jets where he scored two goals, that one late in the third period that tied it up. I figured, oh, that's going to be the one in overtime. That would be a great way to get a second hat trick, but that didn't happen. Uh, I think he was well overdue for a second hat trick. I thought he would get one by the time, by now, but... Kudos to him. He's he's been a great guy at scoring goals, bump multiple goals in the game, and uh, hopefully now we'll see more hat tricks in the future. Hopefully, hopefully. And then um, there's another hat trick. Yes. Um, and uh, this is a guy you're very high on right now. Um, mm-hmm. Blake Coleman. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could just let you go on about him right now. Uh, just tell t- tell 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 the listeners a little bit about him because I know you've done a you've done a lot of uh, thinking about. You know, if the if the Leafs should pick him up, I have. Well, let's start. Let me start by saying that uh, just last week I wrote a piece about why the Leafs should try and acquire Blake Coleman, and in that piece I talked about how he's a really fast player. He's skilled on the puck, uh, and can force turnovers, go down the other way. But he's also really an elite penalty killer, and not many players on the Leafs can do that. But as you saw last night, he's a very physical player. He'll go into the corners. He'll fight if he needs to, and I can't think of anyone in the Leafs currently that can do the kind of things that he does. And even before last night, I was really, really hoping that the Leafs could pick him up because he'd be a really nice piece. And even after this game, I still want him on this team, even though it's probably going to cost a lot. I mean, yeah, I think people are definitely starting to realize um, his value. And, uh, yeah, that would make his value go up, of course, Mm -hmm. especially a game like last night. But I just don't know if... uh, Again, I think we were talking about this yesterday, but I don't, I don't know if the uh, the Devils would want to give him up per se. I know, I know you have your argument about why they should. I mean, they're a rebuilding team. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I see it differently. Like he he's on a great contract. He's one of those players. Like they're in the middle of a rebuild. They have two first overall picks. Those are their top two players right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what they need is time. Like I'm not saying they need to tear down their team right now because. Um, they're like in the middle of a rebuild. They they need to build around these two um, star players, and uh, you don't you need to build around them. You don't want to tear everything down or continue to tear everything down. So I think I think uh, Coleman can be seen as a piece that you know is one of those pieces that you should keep around um, if you're building a team around you know Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think they need time. I think I think Jack Hughes will progress. Give him, give him a couple yeah. years. Um, totally people are, I know he's not having the best season right now, but people are too quick for a rookie right now. Of course. And uh, to your, it, it's totally understandable. Like I wouldn't blame Devils fans for not wanting to uh, move Blake Coleman because he means a lot to some of the fans. Uh, he's a really talented, like, talented player for what he does, and there's not many players like him in the league. But at the same time, you look at the Devils right now. Yes, they have Jack Hughes, who's going to be a fine player when he figures things out. Nico Heischer looks like he's going to be a stud. But outside of those two, and maybe even David Severson, it's a very bleak situation. They mm-hmm. have no, they have no permanent GM. They have no permanent coach right now. Their direction is very much all over the place. Now is the time to start considering moving out bodies, trying to get younger, and trying to build towards the future. And when you have older guys, such as Coleman, who are on your team, 
why not consider moving them out and try and get younger pieces that are quality and that can help your team uh, maybe next, this year make it a little more entertaining to watch, but also for the future because that's what I think the Devils should be doing. And, yeah, Coleman would probably not be the first priority for them to move. They have Andy Green, uh, Wayne Simmons, trying to think another one. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, PK. PK. They could move PK. They could move uh, Sammy Vatanen. Mm-hmm. They're all expiring contracts. Those would make uh, a lot of sense for teams that are contending. Um, but when you but once you get to Coleman, his contract is very cheap. He's got a year left, and a lot of contending teams would love to have a guy like him. And I think that it would make too, it makes so much sense to try and move him out, even though it would hurt for a lot of Devils fans. I think in the long run, the package you could potentially get for him would be would worth it, and that's why I think the Leafs should really go after him. Exactly. That's a that's a good argument. Like I, I honestly don't know, you know, his availability. Um, because yeah, I see it either way, but I, I just personally think, you know, um, I think the devils, obviously they have to move bodies up, but I think, I think Coleman, just how cheap he is right now. And they still have him for another year. Mm-hmm. They can consider him as part of a core right now. Um, he's like a, he's kind of a special player. You don't always find, um, it's, it, if we're looking at like similar rebuilds or we're even looking at Toronto's, rebuild situation a few years ago um of course they were kind of blowing up the team but there there are always a few bodies you keep um they kept uh tyler bozak james uh van reemsdyke um and they even kadri they even uh re-signed him basically Mm -hmm. in year one of their rebuild as soon as they got austin matthews yep um that year they re-signed kadri because they identified they identified him as a, a player that you can keep as part of your core i know there's an age difference between what kadri was then and blake coleman is now but he's a player that um, you might want to ride out just a little longer, you know, mm-hmm. um, because, again, like I said, what they need is time. They don't need – I mean, the, and prospects would be nice, but they have, like, their two-gem prospects right now. Um, I mean, Jack Hughes, that's a first overall pick is what every rebuilding team is, like, looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they already have that. So at this point, it's just about building around, building a core around those players. Mm-hmm. And I think – I think if I were the Devils, like I would see Coleman as possibly being a part of that, or maybe maybe it's just not his time time to move him out right now. Maybe wait another, to, uh, like a, maybe to wait till his contract year, mm-hmm. trade him out as a rental. But um, yeah, I would love I would love um Coleman in a Leafs uniform. Absolutely, uh, and to your point, yeah, it makes total sense. I get I I to- I understand their their understanding of why they wouldn't want to move him, and I get why it would be tough for Devils fans. Like I said. For them to lose him in a trade but then again they don't really have a defensive core locked down other than Damon Severson um, they don't really have a goalie that you can confidently say that's going to be the devil's goalie of the future like Louis Domingue he's a quality backup goalie as you saw last year on the Tampa Bay Lightning they, they think Mackenzie Blackwood could be the future, but I think he still has a long way to go. Yeah, me too. And there's, it's going to be – if they really want to compete in the near future, it's going to be very tough, and especially with the Metro division being as competitive as it is right now and for the foreseeable future, especially with the Rangers potentially coming up soon. Like, for the Devils, I think the, the best course of action is to just wait it out a few years. And I don't think Coleman's going to be wanting to stick around for all that. As much as he loves the team, as much as he loves – the organization and the city i think in, at some point he's probably going to say hey i'm getting older i'm not going to get any younger i want to compete i want to try and win a stanley cup and i don't think the devils will be able to do that within the time frame at least right now i don't think i agree i think they still um 
I think they could still wait, you know, a year until, you know, they can ship him out of the rental. Because as of right now, I don't think they just want to blow the team up, you know? I mean, um, again, like, a team like Detroit, they want to blow thing, blow everything up right now. Mm-hmm. They have nothing to lose. But um, the Devils, they just need time. Yeah. We'll um, see what happens with them. Yeah, I mean, while we're on that topic, though, any other trade ideas you have for the Leafs? Um, I've got a few. Um, two of them are defense and another's a forward. Um, obviously... Besides uh, Blake Coleman, uh, another player similar to him, but on a different team, uh, Josh Anderson's one that everybody mm-hmm. wants the Leafs to get. And I agree with them to some extent. But this year, it's, like, it's tough to assess his value just because he's been hurt all the time. But we saw what happened last year, both against the Tampa Bay Lightning and against the Boston Bruins. He was a physical force in both of those series. You really noticed him, and he came out to play. And those are the kind of players that you need in the playoffs. You know, you, We saw like two years ago, with Tom Wilson with the Lightning, how how valuable players like him can be. Pat Maroon last year with the St. Louis Blues, Josh Anderson as well. And I don't think the Blue Jackets are going to want to move Josh Anderson since they are in a playoff race. But if they decide, hey, we don't need this guy anymore, let's ship him out and get something out of him, we should be interested because that would be a great player. And then as for defensemen, Brandon Dillon is one that's reportedly available. Leafs are interested in a defenseman. That would make a lot of sense because he's a good defensive defenseman on the Sharks, even though the Sharks are bad. And Dylan DeMello, he has good underlying numbers on the Senators. He's a decent defensive defenseman as well. Not as good as Brandon Dillon, but he's younger. He has control. I think those are some players that Leafs should be interested in. I don't know what the returns would be, but that's just like a starting point for me. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um... I told you a bit about this yesterday, but I I don't really have many trade ideas right now. But um, I think the Leafs should target a backup goalie first. Yeah, I think there's a priority list right now. Um, backup goalie first, I would say, because it's been a problem basically all season. Um, Hutchinson is playing better, of course, but I mean, if you can um, move in a better backup goalie that's a little more reliable, mm-hmm. just do it. Um, and then defense because we know Morgan Riley just. Um, got injured eight weeks. He's out, and um, the Leafs need you know need uh, a, a, just a solid replacement, maybe just a rental replacement that that can uh, a cheap one, just a body on the on the blue line really that can help them out. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'd think about forwards because I, honestly, I think our forward core is, I think the Leafs forward core is very good. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's kind of set. There's not really room to just slot in someone. There's not really a hole anywhere or anything like that. It's more like, um, yeah, like with uh, Coleman, it's just something that, you know, kind of sweetens the sweetens the forward core, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to the back of goalie, I would target Ryan Miller of the Anaheim Ducks because uh, I, th- I just think the situation's perfect. Um, he's a veteran. Um, he's uh, He's good. I haven't checked his numbers recently, but um, last month I wrote a piece about, um, you know, five goalies that the Leafs should uh, target as a backup mm-hmm. goalie. I remember and that. And I believe he was the winningest. In, in this season, he had the most wins out of a backup goalie so far. Um, and that, that says something because Anaheim's not the best team. and uh, But he's, he's getting those wins. And uh, he's someone you can really rely on. Um, and if I'm Anaheim, again, they're not making the playoffs. Um, they're not a playoff team, and he's on the last year of his contract, so why not move him out for, you know, a, a pick, mm-hmm. second, third, fourth pick, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
if a team's offering you that and you're not going to the playoffs, like you might as well. Yeah. You might as well stockpile those picks. Um, I could see the, the Leafs, you know, trading Hutchinson and maybe a pick. Hutchinson just to make the salaries match kind of thing. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. What would you what would you offer for him? Well, before I speak, before I begin, uh, I'm looking at his numbers here. He's started 11 games. He's 4, 5, and 2, 320 goals against oh, average, 899 save percentage. Mm. Well, not as good. Um, not as good now. Well, obviously, he's 39 years old. What do you expect? Yeah, but... but I still think he, um, I still think he's, he's he's not on a good team, and I yeah. still think uh, if we if we put him in back, he's a little more reliable. I I think I could see that. It's just hard for me to want to go after a guy like him. Mm-hmm. What the Leafs really need more than anything is not so much a backup goalie, but one that they can play more games. And yeah, Ryan Miller has had starter experience in the past. I think those days are well behind him. Of course, if if Ryan Miller is the only one that they can realistically acquire. I would do like maybe a third or a fourth round pick, add Hutchison to it, or just maybe just Hutchison for Ryan Miller straight up. That might just do the trick at this mm-hmm. point in his career. Um, but for me, um, I would rather go with a guy like Alexander Georgiev. I know he's a little bit more pricey. Yeah. I know a lot of people have been, um, you know, suggesting him. Yeah. Um, I just feel like he's going to, of course, he's going to be more pricey. Um, I mean, it makes sense, but at the same time, it's a, it's kind of a bigger commitment. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think the one thing for me that makes the most sense about Yergiev is that you can actually play him more games. You can rest Anderson a bit more and have him more fresh for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like The way that I think the Leafs would want to have their goal, their starter and their backup would be kind of the way that the Boston Bruins were doing it just before Tuka Rask got a concussion yesterday, mm-hmm. which is where they play the start of the first night, first game, and then the second game is the backup. So like one, two, one, two, and they, they just go about the entire year. And I think that's a foolproof strategy because Tuka Rask is clearly the better goalie of the two between him and Yaroslav Halak. And you need to have Rask at his best when the playoffs start. And if he does struggle, you have Halak who you can comfortably rely upon. Very a, a very good backup, basically. Exactly, but, yeah. I mean, that that situation doesn't always... You know, it's not always available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the point, too. It's, it's more like a luxury. Exactly. And Alexander Gergiev would be the perfect kind of goalie for that because, like, Gergiev... Has had experience as a starter. They were making him the starter before their this new young goalie just got called up. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but like they are thinking that he's going to be the mm, future I of the team. Following the Rangers too much. Yeah, but the point is, is that I they want to keep Lundqvist as long as possible. They probably want this young guy to take the reins. Gergiev seems like the odd man out, and I think he'd be, make a lot of sense on this Leafs team, especially until uh, Joseph Hall or Ian Scott become mm-hmm. NHL ready. And they're not ready yet. And there's no guarantees that Anderson's going to stick around past the end of his contract, which will be ending soon. Something to keep in mind as well. Of course, always looming. Um, so, I mean, when you bring up that point, it is smart to bring in, you know, a younger goalie that can maybe take the reins if, you know, the Leafs lose Anderson. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, those are things to think about now. But Exactly. Again, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think the Leafs should just try to make some move. In the backup uh, goalie situation, um, yeah, Miller hasn't been putting the, the best numbers as of late. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm looking, I'm looking at Hutchinson's numbers as well, and he's still worse. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And uh, but I would, I, w- I would bring in a change, and it's, yeah, I think it's about how close to the deadline you are and how desperate you are for a move. And I would, I would, I would, I would call up the Rangers, see what 
they say. Um, but if you have to pull a trigger, I'd, I'd just pull the trigger on, on Miller. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think Miller seems like the safer pick, and that's mm-hmm. probably the more realistic one. Cheaper, but cheaper, uh, cheaper price. You know, if you, if if we you just need one, you just bring him in. Exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have Miller if if he can uh, find his old form in Toronto. But uh, if your give is a, at a price that at least will be willing to take, then I'd go for that as well. I don't even think. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're not asking him to be prime. Ryan Miller, our old self, Ryan Miller, but oh yeah, he was uh even last year he was a decent backup in Anaheim. Um, if you could just play like that, Anaheim is not that great right now. So um, I, I'm kind of forgiving him a little for those losses right now. Um, uh, but hopefully he could play a little a little bit better with the Toronto team in front of him. Yeah, of course, something always to think about for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to talk about next? Uh, I, I think we should talk about the rise of Rasmus Sandin, who had a great game yesterday along with uh, Austin Matthews Hattrick. Of course. Uh, I think we saw that. I mean, first period he got two assists. Two two assists that could have been goals, really. They both were um, deflected in. And uh, I, I thought, you know, I, b- both goals at first, I was hoping it <laughs> I honestly yeah. was hoping it would be his, uh, you know, his uh, goal, but it just shows he has this great uh, offensive vision um, from the blue line. And um, uh, he played great. He honestly played great. I thought he should have he should have got third star. I think so, too. Uh, I was surprised when they announced the three stars and John Tavares was the third star. I mean, he had a great game, too, Tavares. Don't get me wrong, but this was Sandin's uh, breakout game, like, in terms of this season. Like. Yeah, and he just got called up, too. So it's like, um, you know, you know it, it, he doesn't even need, the, you know, a couple games to adjust himself. I thought it was amazing that he just jumped right into it. Yeah, like he clearly looks like a player that has been in the league for a while, even though he's small, like maybe like, whoa, this is Rasmus Sandin. He really st- stood out among the players. And this is a really good sign that he jumped right into the fray and looked comfortable doing it because as of right now, the Leafs are uh, in a bit of a pickle with Riley gone for the next two months and Jake Muzzin not yet ready to come back until the All-Star break is done, which is what they said today. Um, so they need stand in to step up or everybody else on the roster to step up as well. Mm-hmm. Even Lily Ren, who's not playing right He's not now playing at the moment. Yeah. But it would be really nice to see Sandin continue to play the way he's been playing on New Jersey, not even getting a sit points, but like just playing solid hockey, both in his own end and in the offensive zone, because it could really make the loss of Riley seem like it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not expecting him to, you know, replace Riley right now or, or you know, be the, be the, replacement for Riley while he's out because um that's a that's a lot to expect from him but just be a, a solid top six defenseman really yeah um, exactly. this is this is time to shine and um honestly I, I I was loving the power play with him uh quarterbacking the whole thing the second power play unit um with he he looked sharp out there of course uh I think uh one of them was on the power play then the first one yeah um I think Tavares. It was the the, the the first one was the one Tavares uh, tipped in. Yeah, and then the, and second, the second one was Hyman. Yeah. Yes. 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 Um. Yeah. He just looked great out there. He looked um comfortable. He looked confident, and uh, I expect to see more things from him. But again, talking about the defense. Um. And this is a good segue into the next topic I want Absolutely. to bring up: contracts. Um. Again, a lot of the least defensemen still don't have contracts. Um. Other than Morgan Riley and Justin Hall. Like none of them have contracts, and Martin Marincin, and I mean, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> headed in the next season. I mean, I'm not counting um, Sandine because, again, I don't, 
I'm not sure if, what their plans are with him yet as a permanent lock. Um, but yeah, um, so I don't know what they're going to be doing with these contracts. So again, I think you wanted, you definitely want their first priority to be re-signing Jake Muzzin. Yep. I think we've, we've learned not only uh, when Jake Muzzin was in the lineup, but since he's been gone from injury, how, how valuable he is to this Leafs defense. We didn't really know it at the time when we first got him. Well, at least first got him, sorry. Um, just what kind of a presence he would make on their back end. And it's really showing now because his defensive abilities are very unique to this team. And even though he's one of the older defense def- players and older defensemen on the active roster, it's just hard to find players like him in the league. And people are going to pay big bucks for him if he dis- if he hits the open market. And out of all the three defenders, that, like between him, Barry, and CeCe, of players that are going to be FAs in this summer, I would target him, prioritize him first mm-hmm. before the other two. And he's definitely, um, I think he's special in Toronto because Toronto's locking defensive defensemen, and um, he kind of fits that mold for us. Exactly. For the Leafs. Um, I would go, I, again, yes, I would go resign him first and then consider what you can do with Tyson Berry. Um, I think we were talking about, you know, all this money is coming off, so what are they going to do with that? I'll, of course, Cody Cece, he's just going to be gone. Like, yeah. He, there's, I, I don't even want them to think about bringing him back. <laughs> um, and, again, that frees up $4.5 million. Um, I assume a little of it, a little of that chunk uh, will go towards, you know, paying Jake Muzzin or paying Tyson Berry. Um, but uh, they still need to find a, a definite replacement for Cody Cece. Exactly. Um, I don't know if they're going to look on the free agent, uh, like in the free uh, free agency pool, or if they're looking to do a trade. But um, Toronto has to think about replacing him. Um, they have to get uh, Travis Dermott signed. Yep. Um, Which I think they will. Yeah, I think they will. He's an RFA. It's just about um, Toronto's had some difficulties with RFAs in the past. (laughs) Just don't want it to drag out when you're uh, trying to get everyone under the cap. Exactly. Um, So Toronto has some work to do um, in the contract situation there. And I'm I'm really – I don't know what they're planning to do because even if you sign Jake Muzzin, which he'll take a pay raise. Yeah. um, that's still a lot of money going towards him that mm-hmm. you still have a couple of holes that you'll have to fill for sure um with his pay will go up and you might lose Tyson Berry and that's another that's another hole um uh, there's just a lot of holes that, that that need to be filled yeah that's that is absolutely correct um i was actually starting to think about this today one idea for a trade that Lee should consider is if they don't think that Barry is going to work on this team for not only this the rest of this season, but past this season, then they should consider trading him to the Ducks because everybody knows how Josh Manson is a player that a lot of Leaf fans would love to have, and he's the right shot defenseman that plays a more defensive style game that the Leafs could really use another one of. And my thinking is, maybe would the Ducks want him. I think the Ducks might be con- interested just because they already traded Brandon Montour. To the, to the Sabres, and he kind of plays a similar game. They have Cam Fowler. Cam Fowler's a little bit older, and I think they could use some help on their back end. And I think having a guy like Barry would be really nice for them because uh, they could use some more help from their blue line, even though they're not the same team that they once were. It wouldn't be a bad idea to consider. 
Barry, Barry and a something else for Josh Manson coming back the other way. I think that could, that could be a trade that if, if that happens, I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's not going to happen at this deadline, but something to consider for sure. If I were the Ducks, I don't know. I would want to rebuild or, you know, do a mini rebuild. Like, I think they need to really try to get younger right now. And I don't think, you know, trying to stockpile good players right now is the best um, choice. But, yeah, if, if uh, it makes sense, I would love uh, I would love to make a trade with them. Yeah, of course. But that's just, like I said, it's just an idea that I was thinking about. I, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, just the contract situation, they need to figure that out. It seems like with the Leafs every year is a <laughs> contract, contract, uh, stressful year, really. Yeah. Speaking of stressful contract, uh, talks, uh, with, with their two big players, uh, the all-star games coming up soon with Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews and Frederick Anderson going to be representing the Leafs. I'm actually excited for that. Um, I mean, I do try to watch the All-Star game every year, but it's more just for fun, honestly. I'm with the crowd where it's just, you know, it's not really something that's important. Obviously, it's kind of a money grab for the league, but it's fun. It's for it's for the fans. Um, and it, 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 is rec- it, it is to recognize players who are obviously stars. Um, I don't like, <laughs> if we're talking about my opinions here, I don't like the whole... Um, I don't like the the whole format of every team has to have a representative mm-hmm. um, because I think it takes away from the th- it takes away from the fact that being an all star should be an achievement, you know. And if you're just on a bad team and you scored 15 goals or 10 goals and that's it, yeah. But that's the best on your team. Um, but you're an all star and you're like. I just don't think it should be seen as like an achievement really then in that way. Mm-hmm. I think the NBA does it right. They don't really need a representative from each each team. They really do um, do it based on who's the best um, player. Mm-hmm. I know they still have the fan vote as well in the NBA going on right now. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And then I think all the, all the Leafs that got in are deserving. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see it because obviously Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and Frederick Anderson are all really good friends, um, big personalities, and especially in the skills competition, I think it'll be funny. It will. I think they'll do some fun, funny stuff. I think it's good for for me. Mitch Marner was well deserving of being in the All Star game. Uh, I think he probably should have been in it last year. Uh, it's obviously John Tavares is just as deserving as he. And that's just the mm-hmm. problem. That's a good problem to have when you have too many quality players that could be. I thought Morgan Riley should have got it last year. Yeah, that, that too. Morgan Riley could definitely be in the All Star game. He'd be great for the great for this competition as well. But yeah, to your point, uh, when you look at some of the All Stars that are currently uh, going to be playing, uh, Chris Letang is the Pittsburgh Penguins' main representative, and he's the captain, he's the captain. Of, of the mm-hmm. Metro Division, which quite is questionable, but I'll, it's fine. Tristan Jari being the goalie for the Pittsburgh Penguins. There. I mean, it, also I want to say that this uh, this year's All Star game has been we've seen a lot of replacements. Um, play a few players have pulled out. Um, I know Rask just recently pulled out of the All Star game. You know, for rest, Ovechkin obviously did as well. And then there's been a lot of injuries, so a lot of these players are replacement players. Yeah, and even though Tuukka Rask just said he wanted to skip the All Star game for rest, now he's going to have to sit out. No. Even if he didn't, he was going to have to sit out regardless because he just got a concussion, as I mentioned earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that how many players are uh, 
sitting out just to to want to rest up. I think it's cool, like yeah. to to go to the All Star game and uh, represent your team. I think players are starting to see it as you know, yeah, it's just kind of a a fan cash grab by the league, yeah, um, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, you know, yeah, they, they they they'd rather just get the week off. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think you you make a good point in that uh, it doesn't really make much sense, and who cares? Uh, you d- you don't you don't. It's not necessarily you can do once a few times when you're younger. It's fine. But once you get older. Rest is more important than uh, playing in the All Star game, and yeah, your point—you make a lot really good point about uh, that. Not every team needs to be represented. We need to see the best of the best playing in this game. It doesn't matter if you're seeing from the same team multiple times. I think that just means that team is really talented and have really good players. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some really good players that are being left out. And in this case, like, so uh, again, Tyler Bertuzzi is uh Detroit's representative and he's not really an all-star his numbers aren't that great this uh this season but you know with that rule of uh every team needs a representative um it kind of takes away from certain players spots um deserving players they kind of lose their spots so I mean again in the Atlantic division Tyler Bertuzzi um but Brad Marchand I thought Brad Marchand should have gotten the spot and he didn't mm-hmm. he didn't get a spot because um again Every team needs a representative, and uh, he's he's what right now in points. Uh, let me just check that. I know he's top. I think he was fifth. Um, I don't know yeah, where he's, he's at as of today. He's definitely had a really good season, and uh, I do agree. Like I know, I think for the Red Wings, they would have rather had Anthony Mantha because I think he's yeah. been their best player, or even Dylan Larkin. It's surprising he's, uh, that he's not there. Brad Marchand is sixth in points, and you don't have him going to the All Star game. Um, that's basically saying the sixth best player in the league. Arguably, I mean, a sixth best forward in the league is not um, yeah, at the All-Star game. Yeah, and Evgeny Malkin, too, would be mm-hmm. a much better representative than Chris Letang just because Malkin has been the main reason why the Penguins have been able to stay competitive uh, when Sidney Crosby went out with his injury. Like, why is he not in the game? Like, I mean, Chris Letang's a fine player, but, like, like I was saying, okay, he's the captain. Sorry, I'm not too wild by it. I, you could totally do better than that. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And I think that takes away from the credibility of the All-Star game, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, and then another thing kind of going on with the All-Star game, um, today Vegas made news. Um, shocking news. Pretty shocking news. Historic. Uh, Gallant has been fired as their uh, head coach. And uh, if, if you if you haven't heard, the, his connection to the All-Star game is he was supposed to um, coach the Pacific uh, Division All Stars, and mm-hmm. I mean now they're just not gonna have him coach. Yeah, that's what they were reporting today. Uh, first of all, I was uh, in class when I found out the news. Me and my my friends were really shocked when we found out about the firing. It was came out of nowhere because Vegas has had a really good season. Mm-hmm. They have a really good team that could make some noise in the playoffs if should they make it there. But right now they said what third, fifth in their division. They're just right there in the playoff spot, playoff race. Really, they just won one game and they're right back in a playoff spot. I think it's it's kind of an overreaction, really. Yeah. Maybe it's because, uh, I don't know, Vegas uh, is kind of privileged, kind of their entire history they've known. I mean, when you first, when you make the finals <laughs> your first year, you they're, they're, they're kind of historically known to be successful. So I guess yeah. their very first uh, sense of, you know, not making the playoffs just sets off all the alarms in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I mean, they're one. <laughs> they're literally one point out of uh, a playoff spot. Yeah, I and know that it, it's it's not even the All Star break yet. Mm-hmm. I know they're in a little bit of a slump. That's what I was hearing. Apparently, the the reason for the firing was uh, performance based, and the fact they've lost four straight is interesting reason to fire a coach and then yeah. especially in the middle of the season with over half the season gone it's a very curious timing they've it's, been they've been keeping like with like in a playoff spot for nearly half the season yeah um they go on one I, I, mean, I wouldn't say one but they go on a losing streak and they overreact i really do think it's kind of a overreaction a knee-jerk reaction is probably the best and, way to i mean that. just for the record they reported that uh, of course it wasn't for any other reasons other than his performance um, but again, it just speaks to the kind of overreaction about, um, it, and I really hope it doesn't mess with, you know, the team at all. Um, because it, like I said, they're, they're not even out of a playoff spot. Like they're one point behind, um, mm-hmm. they, it, and, and as time goes by, those will shift up and down, um, just based on how other teams perform too. So I wouldn't have reacted the way they did. And if, and if this coaching change possibly makes things worse then they're going to regret this uh, decision. I think this is probably the first time the Vegas Golden Knights have made a questionable decision with their franchise. And it's really weird because Gerard Gallant was a big part of why the Vegas Golden Knights in their very first year were able to have the successful season that they had, like going all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, Game 5. Who would have thought that? These fans have been waiting, what, over 50 years for uh, Stanley Cup Finals birth, and then they do it in one year. I think I remember <laughs> saying that if they won the Stanley Cup right then and there, I would have been really pissed. And it's like, how does that even happen? It just it. I don't think you're going to see anything like this happen again. Mm-hmm. But if big, he was a big part of why they were able to have that successful season. And uh, and and they've they've stayed good. Mm-hmm. They've stayed good for sure for um, up until now. Of course, um, they are a playoff team, and I still think they are a playoff team. The Pacific is weak um, right now too. So uh, again, I, I think it was just an overreaction. It's it's close, but it's weak. You and I think that uh, a few games. yeah, and and I think that uh, Seattle is going to be calling his name right now if they haven't already. Mm-hmm. He makes so much sense to coach the the new team in Seattle. Like they think, oh, he did this in Vegas. He could surely do it again. I mean, he probably won't, but he. I think he seems to like coaching expansion teams by the way things have been going so far. Maybe. Anyway, let's move on to basketball because uh, we basketball is always something of interest to us. Uh, of course, the Raptors of course. Uh, had a pretty unseller weekend. In mm-hmm. the, if we're gonna put it mildly, uh, before uh, before we talk about the Raptors, though, I did want to talk about um, some huge news in uh, the WNBA. Yes, huge, huge news. This is very big. Um, that is really big. Let's yeah. So uh, the WNBA has just. Uh, yeah, agreed to their new CBA, um, and it outlines a lot of very um, groundbreaking, um, you know, terms that that are really going to help grow women's basketball and are really beneficial to this to their players. Um, I just want to pull up an article like that kind of outlines it, but off the top of my head, um, um, money. I mean, that's the biggest thing that everyone really cares about. Let's be real: the athletes pay, and uh, for like. The average, so I'll, I'll just read off here. The average ca- cash compensation will reach nearly $130,000. I think that's the average pay in this new CBA. Um, and top players will even be able to earn upwards of $500,000. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's not really touching NBA level, but this is a huge step because WNBA players can really 
play professionally and not have to worry about anything else in terms of uh, their compensation. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, 130K is, <laughs> that's a really good job. Yeah, That's exactly. a really good pay. And um, that's a, now playing basketball professionally is a really viable career choice, full-time career choice and not have to worry about any other, uh, you know, you know, not have to worry about any other uh, finance, financial issues or anything like that. Exactly. Um, you can just focus on basketball. So that's, that's huge. Um, there's also, the players will also receive some benefits, um, such as a full salary while on mat leave and an annual child care uh, stipend of uh, $5,000. Um, living, uh, the, the teams uh, which they'll provide housing will now guarantee two bedroom apartments for players with children. Nice. Um, and for travel, it says players will still have, uh, they'll still fly commercially um, rather than charter, but they'll finally get their own individual hotel rooms. Um, I think there's, and there's a lot other, there's a lot of other benefits, but obviously the main thing is the, the pay and just, I really think it's just about um, making sure that professional women's, ba- professional women's basketball players can, you know, play professionally and not have to worry about anything else and 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 know that playing basketball and and even to the younger generation playing basketball is a really viable career choice now yeah i totally agree with everything you just said um the wmba's uh, pay increase is huge not only for women's basketball because let's face it uh they've been severely under uh, represented in uh major sports media but also for women's sports in general this is a huge step because basketball is by and large, the most popular sport in both the United States and Canada, I'd say, right now. Mm-hmm. And when something happens in basketball, that's going to be noticed by all the other women's sports leagues. And I'd say that's, for example, because we obviously know the women's hockey league has been a bit has been a bit, had a tumultuous uh, few months, a uh, mm-hmm. few years as well, with the CWHL folding. But um, they're they're working against that um the Dream Gap Tour is uh it's currently <clears throat> underway and they just played on sunday at the madame athletic center kind of a charity fundraising yeah uh, type uh event and that went great yeah. and uh yeah i mean it definitely speaks on the whole issue of you know underrepresentation and then they there's really a difference between uh how women's sports are treated compared to uh men's sports and uh really you know hopefully um as time goes by I mean, clearly we're working towards that point where we can hopefully get women's sports to be equal to men's sports uh, in terms of pay, in terms of those things, um, and reach it exactly. Um, hopefully we keep progressing towards that because uh, women's basketball is awesome. Yeah, and simply put. women's sports in general is awesome. Women's just, sports is awesome. I think, let's just face it, sports in general mm-hmm. is great. And when both when athletes are having fun but getting the pay that they so desperately so rightfully deserve for doing what they're doing. I think it makes it great for everyone because then they're really trying to earn that big payday. And now that for the WNBA, players can make six figures. That's huge for them. A hundred percent. And like it for, for morale boost, it's big for them. It's now they can comfortably play basketball for 10, 15 years. If they're, if they're lucky enough to do it and have a reasonable amount of money when they retire and have a live a long sustainable life like mm-hmm. like what most people in it's it's obviously not like oh they're multi-millionaires it's not that stage yet and I, I do hope within the next few years we reach that stage where they can reach 
millions of dollars. Of course, it, it goes hand in hand with growing the game. And I hope this helps grow the game, um, maybe attract more viewers and the money will come in that way. And then hopefully in the next few years, you know, we're seeing them make millions of dollars. Yeah. And I hope that not just for the WNBA, but for other women's sports league, we see similar types of uh, things going on with their CBA agreements uh, and their salary cap going up. Uh, this, this is only huge news for women's sports in general. And I hope we see more stuff like this. I hopefully this year, but for sure within the next five years, we're going to be seeing more stuff like this. And I think that's nothing but positive for women's sports. Of course. And uh, so now we'll go into the Raptors and the NBA. Um, Honestly, we don't really have too much to talk about, so we can just fly through these pretty quickly because the Raptors have been a pretty okay team. They've been uh, winning some, they've been losing some, but also they've been battling a lot of injuries. So um, I don't want to, you know, fault them too much. Mm-hmm. Um. I think now, I mean, we got Siakam back. Um, we got to uh, see Siakam play with the Raptors on Sunday. But uh, I think we're really seeing how much Gasol um, is being missed, especially on the defensive end. Obviously, he's been kind of struggling offensively this uh, season. But right now, in his absence, um, I think we're kind of seeing defensive breakdowns a lot more. Um, he's a huge piece, and I, I just can't wait till he comes back. I can't wait to see him back in the lineup, too. I, I didn't think he would be so viable to the team uh, when we picked him up, uh, when the Raptors picked him up at the trade deadline last year. But it's really becoming more apparent that uh, he still has a lot of ball left in him, and uh, he's going to be a talented player for at least the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's it's harder to justify moving him out the deadline or even letting him, go, letting him walk away in free agency. I think they should try and get him back for as long as they possibly can for money that he thinks would be comfortable because I think he likes it here. I'm sure he does. And Raptors love to have him, even though he is on the older end of the spectrum in terms of uh, his career. I think it's still important to have defensive centers, big men in the league, and he definitely provides that. And I think it's pretty clear that uh, he's been missed. And same goes for Red Van Fleet, mm-hmm. who who's also still missing time, and we're seeing right then and right right as well how n- nice it'd be to have a guy like him in the lineup, and just how much they miss him, especially on Sunday, which we won't want to talk about too much. <laughs> yeah, I was actually at the game on Sunday, and um, I mean everyone was pretty happy the first three quarters, you know, leading up over ten points for pretty much the whole game, and then um, yeah, just blowing it honestly blowing it to DeMar DeRozan, really. Yeah, it really hurts. Yeah. You know what hurts more than uh, DeMar DeRozan throwing the dagger? Let me guess. Finding out <laughs> about Kawhi and Paul George <laughs> hanging out Kawhi? at Drake's yep. house. Um, I mean, this is still news, like, uh, as of right now. Um, you said it was just reported recently. Yes. So um, I don't know the full story so far, but I'm just reading headlines here, and I have an article here by The Score that says, Kawhi PG discussed joining forces at Drake's California home. And honestly, I don't even know what to say about this. I, I read a little about, um, I read a tweet um, that apparently said, um, basically, <laughs> Paul George, I don't know if Paul George kind of planned this. Uh, apparently, it started with him just congratulating him on the championship. He all <laughs> he said, uh, he, he all he had to say was uh, congratulations, and he, he turned that into a whole, you know, joining forces. Um, yeah, he started with that, and then it turned into like a series of, calls and more texts and then meetings and then apparently in a, a meeting at uh drake's house and now here we are where they're both clippers and i don't know how drake drake man i don't know how you let this happen like <laughs> 
how how do you let these two guys come into your house and then uh, I don't know when you're out go getting food or, or going to the going to the bathroom they're they're talking about <laughs> joining forces in L.A. Is that uh, what's happening? I don't I don't really understand. I don't I don't know the full details of the story either. I just know it was a story by Ramona Shelburne uh, who like I I haven't read the piece yet, but I've heard a lot of really good things mm-hmm. about it, which I will read soon. But the basic gist that I'm getting is that Drake was just doing uh, Kawhi solid. Like I don't think. Drake would be the kind of person that would just like, oh, hey, Kwan, come to my place. Uh, yeah, you got Paul George <laughs> coming? Yeah, sure, it's okay. I'll just do your thing. I don't care. I, I don't see Drake being that kind of person. Uh, I, I think you, I, I get why some fans are mad. And I know it's like when more yeah, details I mean, about this are coming out. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, at surface, you would think Drake's on the Raptors side, you know, and he wanted Kawhi to join the Raptors. And so, I mean, you'd think that if he's at Drake's house, it's, you know, to discuss the Raptors, hopefully. Yeah. But uh, until we get more details, I don't think we should judge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rapper, Drake is a Raptors fan through and through. And I don't think he would think to himself, hey, I love Kawhi Leonard on the Toronto Raptors. I'm going to help this guy get to the L.A. Clippers <laughs> with every ability I possibly can. I think Drake wanted to get Kawhi on the Raptors. And if Paul George was hanging out, maybe he was saying, let's get Paul George on the Raptors as well. Maybe, maybe that's what he's thinking. So maybe he was the one that got fooled just as much as everybody oh, else. Oh, man. Oh, man, Drake. If if, if, if Drake kind of initiated or had a hand in initiating that almost accidentally, that's that's also tough. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Um, I mean, quickly, other NBA news. Um, Zion's supposed to return. Um, I believe on November 22nd against the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I'm actually really excited because the Pelicans have been, I mean, they haven't been that great of a team, mm-hmm. but they're showing upside now, especially Lonzo Ball. And I've always thought he was, you know, he had great court vision. Um, I thought he had a great potential. And even when he arrived in New Orleans, I was, I was, I was, I was rooting for him, but he didn't have the best first half of the season. But as of late, the last month or so, he's been really playing well. He's been playing uh, I think he's been, I mean, he's been averaging, I don't know the exact average, but he's been putting up over 20 points a night for the last, I don't know how many weeks, few mm-hmm. weeks now. Um, and even when he doesn't score like that much, you could see his, his court vision is great. His uh, IQ is there. Um, he's obviously a pass first player. And I, I, I really can't wait to see how, um, you know, he's passing the ball to Zion, setting mm-hmm. up plays and Zion's on and off obviously a great finisher um and yeah i'm just excited for that i am really excited too zion uh, it's been a really tough uh, first year in the nba uh, with that injury in the preseason that's kept him out for uh, basically the first few months of his nba career um and it's a t- it's a damn shame because the pelicans yes you're i agree they've been a tough team in terms of just getting wins finding success consistently but they have a some they have something going and I think that that's a really positive sign for the makeup of their franchise going forward. Uh, when this team is healthy, Zion, Lonzo, uh, and Ingram is a really good core to build to build a oh, team. Of course, with. and if you, if you asked me like a couple months ago, I would say, I don't know because yeah, Lonzo didn't have that great of a first half. Um, Brandon Ingram has been insane. Like he's been really good. He can honestly be an, a star. And sucks that he's in the West because I think if he was in the East. Um, he would be an all-star this year. Mm-hmm. He's playing amazing. But, um, yeah, Lonzo has recently broken, uh, broke out, and I really hope he can sustain that. But it really gets me excited about Zion's return right now 
because we see not just Brandon Ingram being a you know a really good player, but Lonzo Ball is finally being a really good player, and they have a really good rotation. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I really think when once Zion's back in the lineup, we'll see like a night and day difference. Yeah, exactly, and especially when Zion gets fully comfortable with the league and the speed and all that stuff. I mean, even in preseason, man, he was going off. He was he was, it looked easy to him even in preseason. I will say this. If the Pelicans can become a competitive team for the rest of the year and just make the make things interesting, I can guarantee you that a healthy Pelicans roster next year could challenge for the eighth seed mm-hmm. in the West. Again, and if Lonzo continues playing like this, I don't even think I mean he's playing like a starting point guard. He really is. Mm-hmm. And if this is the true Lonzo ball then they have found their point guard. And, yeah, I think who would have thunk that uh, he would have found his form in uh, New Orleans. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty clear now that the trade out of L.A. was the best thing could have happened, not only for him but for Brandon Ingram. Like, look at the the nine-day difference that they've been having uh, this season compared to last with the the Lakers. It's it's, yeah, a, it's I, really impressive to see. I wouldn't say, like, it's a equal trade because I still think Anthony Davis is uh, worth a lot more than what they got back, but it was a really good trade. And I think it sets the Pelicans up for the future really well. And I think we just need to give it time. We'll see um, if Lonzo, he's young. And if he keeps progressing like this, then they'll be set. And Brandon Ingram speaks for himself. Um, we already know that he is a, the key piece in that trade. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I'm really excited to see what they what they can do uh, the rest of this season and uh, going forward, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so we're starting to wrap up. But let's go into baseball. I mean, the season hasn't started yet, but there has been – a lot of news um with the obviously the sign stealing gate yep that's um, <laughs> uh the biggest story i think of mm-hmm. baseball in the last uh, few years i uh, think it's arguably the biggest scandal in baseball for sure mm-hmm. um and up there in sports in general um let's I talk mean, about it of course i mean the houston <laughs> asterisk <laughs> the houston Ast- oh yeah that's the good one uh, yep. they, they might call the boston rest out the boston Red ass? Nah, that doesn't work as well. <laughs> I think we'll, I saw the take... black socks or something. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that that works perfectly. Uh, well, just for anyone who doesn't know, uh, it was reported uh, back in October, November, that uh, Houston Astros were stealing signs using technology mm-hmm. during they, home games. I believe they were using a special camera somewhere in center field, somewhere in the arena, that um, basically, you know, you know, uh basically captured the signs um, of opposing teams and uh, allowed them to basically, you know, spy on them. <laughs> yeah, and it was during the 2017 season. I think I don't remember if I said that, but anyway. The championship during, season. Yeah, the yeah. season they won the World Series. And during every home game, you would hear uh, a, a bang of a garbage can. And the reason for that, it was be signaling to the players what type of pitch was coming. And if they didn't hear the garbage can, they knew a certain other pitch was coming. So... Because of that, they were able to have a lot of success on home field during the regular season, and this continued into the playoffs, where they also had a lot of success on home field, and it carried them all the way to a World Series title. And it's crazy that nobody found out about this earlier. I know it's pretty. It's, I mean, banging a garbage can like has nobody found that suspicious? Yeah, it would be pretty weird. Like especially late in the season, twenty seventeen. There's like one game against the Blue Jays playing against them, where you could hear the garbage can. Like how did how did no one say hey? What's with all the garbage can here yeah, in the like background? Yeah, like every during every pitch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, or during every game, like nobody picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, 
And the fact, and here's the crazy part. We don't know if this cheating scandal continued past 2017 because there are suggestions that this continued in 2018, potentially in t last season as well. And because of that, there's been this huge suspension to the manager and the GM of the Astros, AJ Hinch and Lou Now, respectively, who were both suspended from baseball for a year and were subsequently fired by the Astros the, that same day. They lost $5 million, lost two top picks in 2020 and 2021, and now there's questions about what to do with the World Series title. I want to start, let's, let's start with that one, because I think that's probably the biggest question, is should the Astros title be stripped? I personally think it should be stripped, but I don't think it can be stripped, because as I was telling you yesterday, um, you can't really take a title away. Like, you can take a title away, but everyone knows they, and I'm doing air quotes, but they, they won the title that year. In, in the history books, I mean, what good does it say in the history books? What what good is it to say the Houston Astros won the title but got it taken away? I mean, people are still going to recognize it as they won the title. Their fans are still going to count it as they won the title. So what does it really matter? Um, but definitely an asterisk on there. I mean, yeah, like taking away their banner and just changing the records that said they, they didn't win that one. I don't really think it changes much. Mm-hmm in theory um but definitely an asterisk i agree a big asterisk and uh, i don't know like what do you do in this kind of situation right <laughs> well i think you can do what they've been doing with barry bonds and pete rose those are two infamous cheaters and obviously mark mcguire sammy sosa with the steroids thing um you I can mean, acknowledge that they did the things mm -hmm. that they did and i mean it's like in the olympics when they take an olympic medal away mm -hmm. i mean actually they do it i mean that because because it's different because that's just an individual award. The individual loses his his or her um, achievement. But this is a whole team and a whole city involved. Yeah, exactly. And a whole league. And it's hard to erase history, <laughs> especially something that takes a whole season, a whole year's worth. Um, it's hard to kind of erase that out of history. Exactly, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like You can acknowledge that they did win the World Series that year and had the success that they did, but... You could do it where, like, they're not going to be given Hall of Fame inductees. Like, all the players on that team will not be going to the Hall of Fame now because they're involved in this scandal, and mm -hmm. they don't deserve to be anymore. If they, like, they did before, yeah. I, like, Jose Altuve would have been an easy candidate to go right to the Hall of Fame when his career is done. Now, I'm not so sure. And and even, I'm just, I'm just thinking, like, even comparing it with the Olympics, like, how they go about, you know, stripping a... Uh, a medal away from a, a player who's violated rules um they obviously the silver medalist would then win gold mm. but what do you do here like it, uh, maybe like the only way you can actually change history and and make that title go away is by giving it to the next team by giving it to the world series losers right you could um, do the that. runners up you could do that but I, I th that's just gonna be People are just going to be so mad. Or you could just that. void the season altogether. That's yeah. another thing that someone was suggesting. And I think it, it makes sense in that part where it's like, no one really does. Why would, like, I think the Dodgers wouldn't feel like they deserve that title yeah. if, if they're just giving it to them because, oh, the Do the Astros cheated you. Yeah. And here's the thing. There's more rumors of other teams that have been cheating too. The Dodgers themselves have been accused of cheating. Mm -hmm. And the the Red Sox obviously are of another course. big story. I, because we, were just, we were just about to talk, talk about that. Obviously. Yeah, which we will get to in a minute. But Do you like, think this is a baseball problem? 
yes, this is totally a baseball problem. If stories like these two stories are able to come out so fast within not even weeks, few not weeks of each other, week, yeah. it's crazy to me to think that there's more. I have to think that there is. And I wonder if there were other cheating scandals with other recent World Series titles. Like, what happened with the Chicago Cubs? Did they steal signs during their World Series run? Did the Kansas City Royals steal signs during the, their World Series run? And that would really piss me off as a Chase fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe other teams that didn't win this championship, did they steal signs? Like you have to wonder where this thing started, how many teams are involved in. So what the how they're gonna do? What they're gonna do to stop? They it. should probably investigate every team before the season starts. Um, and yeah, honestly, it's tough because if if they don't do anything like take away their, um, if if you don't take away their title, then I mean, and they still have their title, then what what punishment is there? Like teams will still other teams will still think like they can get away with it possibly. Um, so there's definitely there there definitely needs to be consequences consequences in some shape or form. I just don't know what it is. And I mean, you could talk about the Red Sox now, um, because mm-hmm. again, you kind of already introduced it, but they also have been um, kind of uh, reported as cheating. Mm-hmm. Just to go over that quickly, uh, for those who don't know the story for this one, uh, the Red Sox manager during the 2018 season was Alex Cora who also just happened to be part of the Houston Astros team the year before that won mm-hmm. the World Series. And they implemented a similar uh, scandal for stealing signs, but the way they did it was slightly differently. The best way I can describe it is they had a camera in center field, and they were able to capture what the signs were. And to, to indicate to the batter what the sign was going to be, they would have a batter who was standing at the plate do some little thing, like maybe like if it was like a slider, they would stand on, off the plate for a second and walk back on. Or maybe they scratched their their leg, something like that. This wasn't just a home game thing, like the Astros did. They did it everywhere, every single game. They were stealing signs. I want to know, like, how did this technology work? Like, where did this feed? Where did this video feed go into? Like, I don't think. I, I'm sure if they had like a computer or something in the dugout, like they'd definitely be seen. Oh, interesting. Absolutely. And the, the Red Sox won 108 games in 2018. So this strategy clearly worked a lot. Mm-hmm. And they had a very successful run to the World Series title that year. And now, with with reports that the punishment that they're going to be receiving is pre, it's going to be just as harsh as what so, the uh, Astros got. I'm really Would you curious. take away either of their... Would you take away either of their World Series? If you're not going to take away the Astros title, I wouldn't take the Red Sox title either. Either. Yeah, it'll be the same thing. It has to be the same thing. If you if you take away one, you gotta take away this, the other. Or if you don't take away one, you gotta keep the other. Exactly. But I think there's gonna be an asterisk size the Red Sox World Series title, too, and I think it's rightfully deserved because now we know that they're also a bunch of cheaters. Like Mookie Betts, uh, Xander Borgards, and a lot of other guys are on that team. They're all a bunch of cheaters now. At least that's what we think. And I think that their chances of going to the Hall of Fame are severely diminished. Just like the same with the Astros. Just like I said. If they're if a team is involved in this scandal, it's hard for me to justify them being in the Hall of Fame because their integrity is now up in the air. Because I don't know if you can trust them. Because mm-hmm. they they went away with this lie for so long. Like, why would I want them in the Hall of Fame? Of course, of course. Um, we'll just have to see. Honestly, we'll just have to see um what they do. I think there should be consequences because you want to make it. You know, you want to send a message to other teams not to do it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they could just they just think they can get away with it because hey, the Astros and Red Sox didn't 
didn't get their titles taken away from them or they didn't really receive any sort of punishment. Exactly. So I don't know. I don't know. What if they had to forfeit a season or something like that? That'd be crazy. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in baseball ever. I know. I don't think I've seen it either. We'll see what happens. I'm very curious to see what happens to the Red Sox and what other sca- what other cheating scandals come forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, I mean, I'm not I'm not really much of a football watcher. Um, I, I mean, I pay attention to it, but I'm not really that knowledgeable. Getting into it though, so uh, I'm, I'll ask you the questions though. Um, what are your predictions for the playoffs? So right now, this coming weekend is the AFC and NFC Championship games. Decide who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Um, really surprising last week. Uh, with the Titans uh, upsetting the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, a lot of teams, like, we kind of knew that we're going to win, end up winning their games. Uh, 49ers, easy win over the Vikings. The Chiefs absolutely demolishing the Texans after falling behind early in the game. And the Packers, a, a tight game against the Seahawks that they won. I'm really excited to see who comes out of the respective games this coming weekend. I really like uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is, is amazing. I think that the Chiefs are the clear favorite in this game, and I think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans made it just because they've been surprising teams all year long, and we saw it in the playoffs this year. And as for the NFC game, I like both teams. I think I'm going to pick the 49ers just because their defense is so much better, and they've been attacking a lot of other teams as quarterbacks. But if uh, the Packers make it, it's kudos to Aaron Rodgers. He's still got it at his age. What about you? What do you think? Um, like I said, I'm not going to really, uh, <laughs> make any bold predictions because yeah, I just kind of watch football a little more casually and, um, I do, I, I'm trying to get more into it. Um, like really into it, but, uh, yeah, I see the, the chiefs as being honestly, um, probably the front runners in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly to go the whole way, I Patrick Mahomes is insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll just have to see. Okay. So out of the four teams that are left. Which Super Bowl would you want to see the most? Um, that's a tough question because I don't. I don't really. Uh, <laughs> I don't really. I haven't. I haven't really caught like a lot of the games. Um, but I don't know. What about you? I would say Chiefs, Forty ers but also Chiefs and Packers. And I'll say why. Chiefs and Forty ers I want the Chiefs for sure. I, I yeah. mean, I could. I, I could see them going the full way. Yeah, but. Yeah, I would probably say 49ers, actually. Yeah, so Chiefs 49ers would be really good because the 49ers defense has been excellent this year, and playing off against Patrick Mahomes would be a really exciting matchup for just for entertainment value, and I think that could be a really exciting game. But if it's Packers versus Chiefs, that could be like a passing of the torch moment or like Aaron Rodgers cementing his status as one of the greatest quarterbacks of our generation. I think either of those matches would be great for uh, the NFL and just for entertainment value in general. I don't know which one we're going to get, that's the whole beauty of football. You never know with one game playoffs. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so, I mean, exciting to see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how the playoffs, um, the rest of the playoffs unfold. And, uh, yeah, that was our episode. Basically, that's everything we have to talk about this week. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, and, again, we'll be back weekly now that the, the new year has started. We're back on that grind again. I'm mm-hmm. really excited to see what we've got. Uh, we have some interesting uh, episodes planned. Uh, we won't won't reveal what we have in store, but we can assure you they're going to be really fun episodes. Of course. Um, so thank you for listening. Uh, once again, this was Behind the Net Podcast. Um, I'm Matthew. I'm Michael. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you don't know our socials, uh, we'll say them. Uh, oh, but yes, they're also yes. in our our 
podcast description. Mm-hmm. Mine's obviously at the lead sign Mo on Twitter. And mine is uh, Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore on Twitter. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you.